Hello and welcome to another installment of Casual Treasure. This is Scott. This is going to be a review of the second episode of Season 3 of Picard entitled Disengage. And I must say, dang, what a flippin' episode. Not only did we get some Worf, we got some LaForge goodness. And then to add that off, we have a stalemate. Then we have a checkmate. Then we have a Admiral Picard takes command of the ship, and they go into the nebula. But that's not all this episode is, even though that's the basic beat to this. There was this ongoing thing about a line in the trailer about Worf being a pacifist, and uh, by that scene where he killed like five people and cut the head off of the Ferengi. I say that we can declare that he is not a pacifist, unless they've changed the definition of pacifism in the 25th century. I mean, who knows, right? So, we got a Section 31 reference. It's not a guarantee that she's Section 31 yet. He's just saying Section 31. That doesn't mean that Raffi's in Section 31. Would it be cool if she was in Section 31? Yes, because it's been hinted at and teased about and everything else, so... Bringing up and introducing Section 31 at this moment with what she's doing would make the most sense. So I think that'd be kind of cool, especially if we get some Worf and Rafi in Section 31 goodness going on. Maybe he was brought into Section 31 a long time ago if he's a high-ranking official in Section 31, which would be great. So they don't got to worry about calling people. He's just the guy in charge. Then you have her contacting the guy about getting to meet with the Ferengi and then him going, I'll either do, I'll either get you contact with the Ferengi or I'll put a good word in with your son. And he gave her an impossible choice and she took the right angle because putting a good word in with her son isn't going to get justice for the 117 people killed at that Federation recruitment center. And I think that it could be a recruitment center for Section 31 rather than just regular, uh, regular Starfleet. That would be interesting if uh, they do that, because then if they do that, it'll kind of have run parallels with uh, Into Darkness, where they blew up the archive that was actually something different. So that would be kind of interesting. Then we have the Jack Crusher situation where he has multiple aliases, including Jack 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 Crusher and a litany of, of, of crimes. And not being sure if it is actually Jack Crusher or he just took that name to hide with Beverly Crusher. But with him breaking out of the rig just to go to the transport room to try to give himself over to Vatic. I think that that says that he's Beverly's son and he's trying to save his mother. Because if a con man is a con man, he's not going to do what he did there. So, I think, I think Jack Crusher is exactly who he says he is and those aliases are to try to keep his name, Jack Crusher, out of the, uh, out of the purview of other people. And... This Amanda Plummer playing Vatic, she is chewing 
the scenery, just chewing it. Like, it didn't matter that they fired a bunch of torpedoes at her. She was just like, she was enjoying it. She was basking in the glory of this. She did not care. And that part where she took the ship that Jack Crusher and Beverly Crusher were on and then threw it at them with some advanced um, tractor beam technology stuff, that was pretty gosh damn cool. Like, that would be crazy. Like, you have a derelict ship, you power it up, and then you throw it at you throw it at your enemy. That would be a that that would be a that would be a clever thing. They should call that the Vatic maneuver, I think, because I think that is pretty awesome. Um, then we have reference to George LaForge, um, with um, something that he taught 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 his daughter. I thought that was just perfect. I'm not going to get the line right at all by any means, but they were talking about one law one law fix can be um, weaponized against another law of, 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 of physics. The way I'm saying it isn't anywhere as great as what Sidney LaForge was saying. That was just, that was just great. Then we come out and find out that that is actually a bounty hunter or under the guise of a bounty hunter because she knows a lot about Liam Shaw and just she knew his name. Now, granted, she could probably have hacked his computer, and that's the way that she that that she did it. But they didn't have any lines in the thing saying they're hacking our mainframe or anything like that. So it's like she just knew who was coming at her. Then we get to learn more about the Shrike. We guys, we get to learn that it is it is a, a warship, basically, a bounty hunter on a warship after Jack Crusher. <laughs> it's it's not looking good because wow they didn't even get through the amount of weapons this ship has before they were like you know what never mind we get it we get it we get it we're good they can kill us fine so that was kind of awesome then we get to get, get to find out that maybe well earlier anyway in the, in the, in the episode we get to find out that the Ferengi put him in touch with this person who bought the the weapon and then it was used and they're blaming it on the guy that bought it from the Frankie. And then Raffi's like, that's not the way. That's not at all how, how it's going. That guy is just a patsy. It's curious if through these two separate stories we come to find out that Vatic is responsible for what happened with the Federation Recruitment Center down the road we find out that the stores are going one's going left one's going right and they're going to loop around and they're come down the center they're going to come down the center and they're going to relate with each other more so than the arc because right now Raffi's doing her own thing and her thing has a lot of stuff happen a lot of moving pieces but now also Picard stuff has a lot of moving pieces we have running two two storylines running parallel to each other both equally interesting, both equally curious, and both interestingly curious how they're going to relate to one another as the episodes progress. And we finally got to see Worf, and Worf sounds like Worf, he looks like Worf, and he is a badass like Worf. I mean, that was just, that was just brutal. That, that, that fight was brutal, but he owned it for, 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 for being white-haired Klingon. Oh my god. 
and it kind of it, uh, I remember watch, watching the watching the the ready room and Michael Dorn mentioned a movie where the where the guy has all white hair or whatever but he can kill a whole bunch of people still and that's what that's what they were going with here they definitely achieved that I would say but overall all overall all overall episode I'd say it was great. There was a lot going on in it, just like the first one. The, the, best, the best episodes have a lot going on in them to where you can ask questions upon questions inside of what's happening. Like here, question number one, when the heck did Jack Crusher get conceived from Beverly and Jean-Luc Picard? When did that happen? Did that happen at the, after, the, after the end of Nemesis? Or... Like, some people are speculating that it happened during the season 2, season 3 break, and somewhere during the middle of that season or whatever, the car went to go visit Beverly, and they had a kid. For whatever reason, she had to hide him. That would make more sense. I kind of like that theory because that's clear is older. So if you gave him 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, like 8 more years of his life that would help but then you also got to remember that Patrick Stewart is playing a person that's like 15 or whatever years older than himself so you could do the same thing with Spaliers sure his the actor is older but the character is younger you see this a lot in like high school uh, TV shows where the where the actor is supposed to be children like 17, 18, 16, but they're really like 28, 29. So you just you he just playing a younger person on uh, in the show, and that's and that's fine. But it would be great if like they would give us years. That's my one my one issue. It, I'm no other show before this has really had an issue with giving us a, a bloody year of when things are happening. This is reminding me a lot of the original series where there was no date, and you didn't get a date. But when things were happening, until you got to like the motion picture and the Wrath of Khan, and that's when we kind of got an idea of what year things were happening. I mean, granted, we had the Next Generation, which was happened in 2364, so you knew that TOS happened 100 years before that, and that was really um, how we got our dates, to my knowledge, anyway. So that's my one thing. I really wish they had dates, like they said, this this the recruitment center was destroyed. And they had like this whole entire year thing. Like you have all you have on the news, where they say where stuff happens, they give the dates that it happens. So that way you have like, a frame of reference rather than having to tweet someone or have to read some kind of tweet online. And everything you're learning is from the episode itself, which is really where it should be to, to begin with. That way you don't have to go outside of the production and ask a question. I shouldn't go watch a movie in a theater and then I have, should have to go tweet the director and ask him what year was your movie based in it should be clearly irrelevant and shown on screen so I as a viewer can go oh okay this all tracks so the frontier day is giving us a little bit of a thing 250 years since but then when are we basing it off of are we basing it off of when the NX-01 was launched in 2151 are we basing it off of before that? Are we basing it in 2161? I mean, when? What is the criteria for Frontier Day? Because they were, there was, there was warp theme happening, Frontier stuff going on, 
before 2151, before the launch of the before the launch of the of of the Anos One. At least I thought there was. I don't feel like that, like that's the only time they did it, or they just based it off of a five-year mission where he finally went out. So 2151 plus 250. Is that is that what we're going with? And there was references to uh, events in uh, season one. But they were very vague, very brief, very blink and you miss it type deal. So that's so that's so, so that's fine. It's it's showing that it's interconnected still, but not necessarily part of the whole. Where you have to watch everything to understand what's going on. But if you don't know about what happened at the end of season one of the guard, we find out that the physical body of the guard died. They made him a golem body, synthetic, and it wasn't a replicant. Uh, of Picard consciousness, it was his consciousness, the exact same one. So, the same Picard that was in season one of TNG was in Generations, was in the beginning of the first season of Picard. That Picard is the Picard that we're following in season two and season three. So, it's not like it's a cloned kind of thing where, how, what would the original Picard do? This is that Picard. And that's how it's being presented, so that's how it is, because it's the 25th century now. So who knows what kind of cool things that they can do in the in the future with FinSec. That's no different than if you were able to do a brain transplant in in the in the in the in the future. You take your brain and you have to transplant it somewhere else. Does is that still you? Or you're not going to look the same. You're going to sound different. You're going to look different. But is your conscious is your personality is everything that makes you you still you just in a different body so i mean it's basically that so this episode set us up with a lot of uh rat the con where you gotta find in the nebula and vatic is going to love that battle i barely know this person and i already know that she's gonna relish this the Titan crew is going to be on pins and needles, and she's basically going to be frolicking through a meadow with glee. Is what it looks like. I can't, I can't wait for the tables to turn. That, that, that'll be interesting to see them have the upper hand, but it's probably not going to come for a while. I did like how Seven stood up to Shaw and her uh, little thing there where she walks into the room and she says... You're either going to be responsible for the death of these two legends, or you're going to be the hero in saving these two legends. Which ones do you want to do? I mean, she is not afraid to stand, not afraid to stand her ground, even though he did relieve her of duty. Still, she's able to do what she needs to. She needs that. She needs to do even with uh, being relieved of duty. She was still part of the security thing because. Her loyalty is to both the Titan and Picard and to Shaw because they're all three Starfleet related. So it's just frame of mind at the moment. Who's right, who's less right, rather than who's wrong. So that's gonna that's gonna conclude my uh, podcast on this on this episode. I'm just kind of happy that all the trailer bits that we were have been seen has been almost all in the first 
couple of episodes rather than them like pull from way far ahead. So we're getting to the point where we haven't seen anything that's in the trailer. So that's kind of exciting. So hopefully you all enjoyed the episode 2 of season 3 of Star Trek Picard entitled Disengage as much as I did. That will conclude this podcast.